Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome everyone! I'm not doing that all the intro. Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review, whilst the other members of Cultaholic, the popular ones, are grading and rating the latest episodes of the longest running weekly episodic bloody bloody blah. And we hop in an Ica Pro Power DeLorean and blast back to the humble beginnings of Monday Night Raw in an era equidistant from Hulkamania and Attitude. And who be we? I be Tom Campbell, fake Geordie wrestling geek, known to many as that bloke off the radio. Get him off. He does my head in. And I be with Cultaholic Head Pen, Top Typer, and the author of Titan Shattered, Titan Screwed, and coming in 2019, Titan AE, starring Matt Damon, Drew Barrymore, and Bill Pullman. There is a wild Justin Henry! Hey, how you doing there, Tommy? Um, I am not going to top that intro, but I, I, I will say, I, I do have to note that I did not write Titan Shattered. I wrote the, I wrote the forward for it, and I helped fact check some stuff for Mr. James Dixon, but can't quite take credit for altering it. That but was, you did that write was Titan James. AE. <laughs> oh, well. I didn't write that either. No, just Titan screwed. He totally wrote Titan A. You're just very humble. Yes, James Dixon <laughs> is a major player in that particular book. Obviously, he wrote Titan Shattered and all that likey, but... <laughs> You've done good books, uh, though. And Titan AE <laughs> is a lovely film. It is, it is, but I, I just can't take credit where it is not due. <laughs> okay, James, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, James, what's up, man? So, uh, how are we doing, Justin? Are we good? No. Nah. I'm doing good because we are coming about roughly 16 hours after the end of last night's Slammiversary pay-per-view. And let's it just was say actually it, good. It was, it was better than good. That might have been the – I did the top 20 TNA pay-per-views ever for Cultaholic, and I may have to rewrite it now and put this number one. It's a weird time that we live in when a TNA Impact GWF show was that good. It, it's just so weird. I'm seeing no negativity toward the show at all, not even from people who would you know, usually scrutinize and say, like, well, all this was great, but... This, there's this, there's this, no this, but. There's like... no but. I think normally they tend to suffer from the whole... Because they tape, like, a billion shows in advance. By the time they get to the mm-hmm. pay-per-view, there's been so much maneuvering backstage and front of house that the show feels slightly different. But with this, like, all the major players were all pretty much in the right place. Yeah. The stars and... aligned for Impact Wrestling. Uh, it, it was great storytelling the whole way up to the pay-per-view. And even then, it, it's, it's the whole, you know, there is no reality, only perception. And when it comes to TNA, it's always going to have that... 
don't know if it's always going to have it, but for a while it's had the perception of just being garbage. It's, it's, even when they have a great show, they say, ah, no one cares. There'll, there'll be crap next week. There'll be a bad pay-per-view next month, blah, blah, blah. And they just – it's that sort of mindset that – I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. TNA's brought a lot of their problems onto themselves over the years. Yes, very much so. <laughs> the perception they've earned for many of their past transgressions was wholly earned. But when they do something like this and people are positive about it from Dave Meltzer to Brian Alvarez to Sean Sapp of um, – I can't remember what this site's like, called at the top of my head. Jeez. Sean Ross Sapp, who does he write for again? Um, Titan Shattered. It's called Titan Shattered. <laughs> the book that you wrote on your own. <laughs> As you said to me the other day, I wrote all of Titan Shattered. James who? <laughs> that is exactly what you said. Now you're putting words in my mouth. Dad. It was, you, and and, went, and I put all the words on the paper for Titan Shattered. Sean Sapp is from Fightful.com. He, he's a pretty... uh. He's a pretty well-respected writer and journalist, and he, and, and he had nothing but praise for this show. It's, just, it's so weird just seeing TNA get... Praise? Like, just univ- <laughs> get, not get praise. That's, I was going to say universal praise, but even praise unto itself. It's, um... It was like when One Night Stand happened 13 years ago, and everyone was raving about it after the fact. Like, there was hardly any ounce of negativity. It's wonderful. This was... A, Long, long, may this be the beginning of something wonderful for Impact Wrestling. Fair play to them. They have, they have, by hook, crook, and will, they have survived for well over a decade longer than we all thought they would. They, they've just kept on going, but and here they are. So fair play to them. They have indeed picked themselves up from all the wily coyote falls off the cliff. Um, again, against all expectation and you know common sense. But I'm happy for him because I used to support him a lot back in the day. After a while, it was kind of just like, and eh, no moss. But yeah, now I'm, I think I'm a lot of people man. gave up on him. I mean, it's. I, I've always been a Don Callis fan going back to his days of ECW when he was Cyrus the Virus. I've always thought he was a very smart guy, very articulate. And, and to see that he has a hand in this, and you see what TNA, or I should say Impact Wrestling, has become, it's a. Uh, it's kind of no surprise. Well, I mean, I guess got the more credit also. He's a pretty smart dude as well. And Good. just the whole presentation of the product from the from how the backstage vignettes are shot to just the authenticity of the characters, it really is something else. And it's it's a far cry from what was on last week with Extreme Rules. It's it's night and day. It's so true. And again, like Impact Wrestling is everything I like about wrestling. In terms of that show was, I feel like such a glory seeker. I feel like I'm supporting England in the World Cup all over again. Just jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, it was just one of those shows where everything was well told. There were stories. They were, in some, in most cases, simple told stories. And they had a conclusion. And there was some good wrestling in there as well. Austin Aries and Moose. Who knew? Who knew that'd be a, that'd be a thing? Now, Pentagon and uh, Sammy Callahan. I had high expectations for that match, but they surpassed even those expectations. That was it was just an old school hate filled match with some truly brutal spots like the baseball bat and the spike. That's just like it made you cringe, but but it fit with the story they were telling. There was no, it wasn't sanitized. I like that. There was a little bit of everything on the whole show, which I think really helped it. Some criticize that there was too many hardcore matches, and I kind of agree. It's 
it's I mean, Pentagon and Sammy having to follow that 51-50 street fight. That was a little bit uh, but see, it was a little questionable doing that. But the match was so great that it was it was like okay, so it it wasn't hindered by the fact that they were following another hardcore match. It, it, it stood on its own merits and was probably the best match of the show. In what I like as well is in so many of the matches there were moments. There were there were gifable moments that they created in the mm-hmm. um in the Matt Seidel Brian Cage match when he caught him into a suplex. Like, what is that? That was sensational. Like, it's almost amazing that WWE had Brian Cage under lock and key a decade ago and they don't have him now. I mean look at him. The man is a beast. And that bit with Moose going for a spear and Austin Aries turning it into the last chancery. Like, whoa, really <laughs> lovely, gifable moments in these matches. This is what a wrestling pay-per-view should look like. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and since the WWE is stepping away from the love of a wrestling pay-per-view, they let Impact Wrestling fill that void. It's, I'm definitely getting bound for glory. I'll say that right now. But look, we we can't be talking about wrestling in 2018. That is not our raison d'etre, as the Portuguese say. We're here yes. to talk about wrestling from off of the past. Yes, we have to hop in the old time machine, the Ecopro Fuel DeLorean, I believe you called it. it. Certainly is, my friend. And back to 1993. In fact, it was Monday, January 25th of 93 for a taped episode that was taped six nights before the 1993 Royal Rumble. And aired one night after, which, given one of the finishes for one of the matches, was kind of interesting. That it would that it'd be taped in advance the way that it was. Yeah, I mean, did they did they go all out on the announcing? I don't remember them. We'll get to actually. Oh, we'll stop there. We'll when we get to that match, we'll get to that match, and we'll discuss it then. What I need to discuss is the fact that Sean Mooney. Bless him. He's been outside for three weeks now in the cold New York January. Yes, he, he has not been let inside even for a second. Not even to warm up, not even to get a cup of hot chocolate. He's Who been out he in the January Sean cold. Mooney? Well, he wasn't there much longer, so maybe he was in the doghouse. And this is, the, and this is their way of... Maybe he had like six gold watches by now and, and trying to tell him, Sean, we don't want you here anymore. <laughs> like, Sean, get the hint. Meanwhile, he sells all the watches for profit and is he is he not long for the for the WWF at this point? I want to say he left around May or June of that year because mm. after that he started bringing in the well the, I mean Pentagon was already there but you had the Joe Fallers who <laughs> you remember Joe Fowler? Do you know what his name escape his name escapes me his face escapes me too. Um, yeah. so, well, I'm excited to revisit this. Yeah. It was SummerSlam '93 when he debuted. He was basically the replacement for Mean Gene. Because Mean Gene was outgoing, and they brought in Joe Fowler, who had the hot, the highest, most obnoxious voice imaginable, and was clearly ill-equipped for the job, especially replacing Mean Gene. It's like if it's like Peter Gabriel replacing or leaving Genesis and being replaced by like you know one of those little animatronic monkeys that bed that bashes the symbols together. Phil Collins. That much of a drop. <laughs> <laughs> you just described Phil Collins. <laughs> I suppose I did. It's, but, it's uh, like it's like Phil Collins replacing Peter Gabriel. <laughs> but Joe Fowler is—he's every overly cheery, pseudo photogenic, 
knows nothing about wrestling guy that they hire from that point onward, except with a voice that just grates your nerves. It's it's so high pitched, almost like he has a mouthful of Cool Whip. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see him now. He did. He didn't last long, so don't blink. Oh, okay. That comes up. <laughs> and and the, the best part of SummerSlam '93 involving him is when he interviewed. He got to interview Yokozuna before the big main event. And he's talking about all the big surprises that happened on the show. Like, Could the next surprise be that Yokozuna loses the WWF championship? And Cornette goes, I'll tell you the biggest surprise, your employment. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Actually, there's some lovely moments tonight where Vince and Bobby Heenan just completely run out of Fs to give with regarding yes. uh, one Rob Bartlett. <laughs> Oh, I've, I've I've made copious note of that because by the end by the end of the night you forget the Bartlett's even there. You do actually. He does he does disappear. And one thing you will notice, I'm not, I'm not sure if you notice while watching the show, but they were so clearly in a studio over a dubbing over the commentary that you can hear the, how the sound sometimes like hits a ceiling. It's like a little bit of either feedback or a little bit of internal echo, where where they're so clearly not there. There's I mean, a few times, even in modern day WWE, when you can blatantly tell they're not there, and it's not mm-hmm. even to do with the soundproofing. It's to do with the it's to do with the pitch and the tone of the voice. And mm-hmm. Whenever you watch NXT, and you'll suddenly hear, like you you won't hear Maranello sort of shouting to be heard over the crowd. He'll be talking just like a normal tone, and you can tell it's just dropped in. The trick is to fake that little bit, but who am I'm I sure to tell Maranello how to do his job? Um, but it, 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 it was just patently obvious at, at, at some points of the show, which I've made note of. And one of them, I'll, I'll just say in advance, one of them was like banging the table at one point. I think I think it was, I think it was he in the midst of, I can't remember what part it was. It's in my notes. But it, it has such an echo to it that you can tell that of how of how the pitch and tone are. It's like, yeah, this ain't live, is it? Yeah, when you become, when you, when you're savvy to stuff like that, it does it can ruin it for you. Oh, and the other part is when the camera's on them at ringside. Well, well, it's on the ring. What's happening in the ring? But you see them in the background, and their mouths aren't moving while they're talking. <laughs> I saw that a couple of times. That's kind of a giveaway oh, as well. That's, that's oh, that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> That happened a lot in the JR and Lawler and even the JR and Cole era of Raw and SmackDown. You would see, you see Lawler just sitting there, like not, not even moving his mouth, and, and here he's talking about puppies or whatever it is he's, he's braying on about. Oh, that that it, sort of stuff does my head in. It, it does take you out, out of a little bit if, if, if you're a bit too focused on things, things that aren't, aren't really that relevant, but... But that's me. Like, I, I care about your relevant matters. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm with is... you. I'm 100% with you. I, I notice when things like that are, are awry. And it does my head in. It really does. I wish I didn't notice it. I wish I was ignorant to the whole thing. So we have Sean Mooney outside. And who should, who should show up but Repo Man in a big-ass tow truck? Literally pulling back the... into the parking space that he left off. Yes, with with the cowboy hat that he stole from the Macho Man Randy Savage. That Savage cannot pay the down payment on. <laughs> he, he's late on his hat payment, so Repo Man had to steal his hat to set an example. But 
He's going to fight Savage tonight for the rights to the hat. You gotta fight for your rights. For your rights. To own a hat. <laughs> Good job, Ad Rock. Damn. <laughs> so Repo Man rocking up. Uh, I do you know what? I love Repo Man. He is the epitome of 90s cartoon wrestling. You also missed the obvious no sleep till Manhattan joke in there somewhere. I did. Go on, hit me with it. No sleep till dad and dad dad. You'll carry King guitar. Dad 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 and ah, the joke's dead now. <laughs> <laughs> I've already revealed the punchline, so <laughs> <laughs> there why, will be people why drag it out? It's fine. Why keep dra- Why keep dragging it out? <laughs> so Repo is sure savage that I'm going to repossess your career just like I did your hat, which. <sighs> First the hat, then the career. That is the natural progression of how you ruin a man's life. That is exactly how uh, Frank Castle would have done it. (laughs) You start start with the hat, then you go forward. Or then you jump right to the the career. Then presumably, you know, life is third. Good shout. (laughs) So he shimmies into the building and put man past all the onlookers. And then that's how our cold opening ends. We go to the opening montage. Anyway, this is one night after the Rumble. As we said, it was taped six nights before. And Vince, and Vince tells us that we'll see the see Kamala and the Bushwhackers in action. But one of those is a damned lie. Yeah, that's a good point. Vince I'm, 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 McMahon lied to us for the first and only time. Vince McMahon will never lie. lie again. Nope. Ask Bret Hart. I, I didn't hear that because I was too taken thinking, does the Raw lady who is currently walking around the ring holding up the Raw sign, does the Raw lady this week have armpit hair? Because it looked like she had armpit hair. If not then, then she did a few minutes in the past. <laughs> Are you saying that she shaved in between tapings? I feel like she might have done. And that's fine. That is absolutely fine. There is nothing wrong with hair and You can do what you like. It was just an observation that I made, and I thought, that stands out to me. But it's okay. You do you. Hashtag you do you. So Vince mentions that the Kamala's in action, which is factual, but the, the Bushwhackers are in action, which is not factual. And Rob Bartlett maintains continuity by, by mentioning the stolen hat and his stolen car. Yeah, I'm really glad that he remembered his constant banging on about his stolen car. Really pleased he remembered that. Well, I mean, it just happened three minutes earlier. I mean, seven days earlier. (laughs) See, you have to admire him for having such a long-term memory. But, hey, good things have happened in the last three minutes. They've let Bobby Heenan back in the building. Yeah, and not a minute too soon. Oh, thank God. Bobby Heenan took these two to school for the whole hour. He did one hell of a job hyping the perfect flare match. The moment that Bobby Enon opens his mouth, he shows why he was one of the absolute best. He really is great. He's an absolute pro who wants to make sure that you're all tuned in for the main event. Because there's a career at stake, or I should say a WWE tenure at stake. And it's between two former champions. It's a very big deal. And he wants to make sure that you know it's a big deal. He's such a good hype man. Such a good hype man. God rest his soul, Bobby Heenan. 
but more important than a man's career is a man's hat, and that's oh, on the line in the first it. match here. Randy Savage versus the Repo Man. Now, Repo Man look- comes out at the very beginning of this, and and I have yeah. to, um, I, I I have to give chop Vince McMahon's balls a bit here. And okay. I I know that he's a billionaire, so the opinions of a fake Geordie on a podcast really isn't going to have him lose any sleep at all. The man doesn't sleep anyway. He's normally in the gym or gurning. Um, one thing that really annoys me, now I'm doing a bit of wrestling commentary. I work for a few companies. Name drop uh, around the Northeast, like North Wrestling, uh, Three Count Wrestling, Main Event Wrestling, Rise Wrestling in Leeds. Drop name, drop name, drop name, drop name. And one thing that really annoys me as a commentator is when the commentator talks over the ring announcer. Because the ring announcer is, is, is just as an important scene setter as the commentator. So my, for me, my discipline is that when the ring announcer is talking, I am shutting up. And then when the ring announcer has finished, that is when I begin. And Vince McMahon talks all over the thing. Well, given the amount of pranks that have been pulled over on Howard Finkel over the years, maybe that's not too surprising that Vince would talk over him. You think this is an elaborate prank in itself? Uh, Actually, no. I think this is just Vince just conveying the info that he thinks is necessary because in his mind, you know, who gives a damn where where Reaper Man's from or how much he weighs? Yeah, that's true. Vince was never a big, big, big purveyor of the sporting analytic side of wrestling. It's not like Howard Finkel was explaining the rules of the King of the Mountain match. And people I have know, to hear what he's saying. I know, but even in a singles match, I feel like I just like to shut up and let the ring announcer announce the wrestler, and then I kind of come in. It's almost like the ring announcer's like the chapter title, and then I like to flesh it out from there. It just feels right to me. Um, uh, but hey, he's been, like I said, he's Vince McMahon. He ain't going to worry about my opinions on his commentary in the 90s. Well, that is your perspective being an announcer, and I, and I understand that. I haven't been in I haven't been in that position, so I can't comment on that one way or another. But I'll just say, as a fan, I guess I never really thought about that. Even but, in the Biggin and Wigan, I let the announcer talk. <laughs> well, FYI, even in the in the in the biggest comedy match in wrestling history, in the first <laughs> memeable wrestling match, I still let the commentate. I still <laughs> let the ring announcer talk. Well, that's because you're in disbelief of what was to come. To come like, <laughs> yeah, I was just catching my breath, drinking <laughs> drinking that bottle of whiskey and going, right, here we go. You're hyping yourself up while singing Lose Yourself. <laughs> if you had one shot, would you catch it or would you snip it? <laughs> so Repo's hat contrasts greatly with his attire. A, a, a gray bodysuit with an, a, I guess it's a fuchsia and yellow cowboy hat. To go along with a great bodysuit with tire tracks. That There's is a, a few fashion people at Newcastle pop. Pride who looked a bit like that this weekend. I won't lie. <laughs> Did they have the tire track patterns? Yeah, it was very. There's a very busy road you have to cross to get to uh, Nunsmore Park. Ah, uh, so uh, so they were the organic tire tracks. <laughs> so Savage hits the ring in a fury. He changed tights from last week because Savage is a is a goddamn professional. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Absolutely. Hits the ring and starts beating the pulsing piss out of Repo, choking him, beating him from pillar to post, as they say. And then Rob Bartlett makes a bit of a faux pas himself. He, he references Savage's bald spot by saying, is that a flesh-colored beanie Macho's got on? Bartlett. If, if if that was Hulk Hogan, oh my God! If that was Hogan, Bartlett would be dead. He'd be in the East River, floating face down. <laughs> Incidentally, Randy Savage hitting the ring here, with like forgetting his own entrance, charging the ring, knocking Repo Man to the ground. Your phone's ringing. Uh, it certainly is. Just now it's phone's not. Ringing. It's probably James Dixon. Nah, telemarketer. Uh, Go on. No. <laughs> James Dixon going, why haven't you credited me for Titan Shattered? Um, <laughs> so he hits the ring at such a fury, no music, hits the ring, takes down Repo Man, starts battering the you-know-what out of him. The last time he came at an opponent with that much fury was when Jake the Snake Roberts DDT'd his <laughs> wife. So therefore, we can assume from this that Savage's hat and Elizabeth are exactly the same in terms of importance to Savage. Well, keep in mind, Savage was divorced divorced at this point. So the hat may have been all he had left. That may have been his new love. (laughs) (laughs) He he, he may have anthropomorphized it the way Tom Tom Hanks did with with the volleyball and cast away. That hat may have been his Wilson. That explains why we got the hat wedding at SummerSlam 1993, where except Randy Savage married his hat. <laughs> except instead of Wilson to be Stetson. Hey! See, that works. That works. Justin with the jokes! Justin with the jokes! Justin with the jokes! You're giving me too much credit for that. Get all the jokes! I will say Vincent Heenan cared much more about Flair Perfect than this match, thus beginning the long tradition of hyping the of hyping a future match later in the show, or whatever the main storyline was, than actually watching the match itself. 
It's a t- it's a ratings thing, isn't it? It's just to, it's because they want to keep people watching, and you've got to strike sure, that fine sure. balance of going. This is happening later. Stay here, but let's also focus on this. It's a fine sure, balance. Sure. I mean, I, I I get why they do that. It, it has a function. It, it's practical, but at the same time, this is Randy Savage, and they're not doing a good job of making us think that he hasn't hit rock bottom as a wrestler. <laughs> That's true, actually. That's very true. <laughs> Randy Savage should be commanding everybody's attention because he's Randy effing Savage. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I do agree with that. Vince had the audacity to call this a grueling matchup. Well, to be uh, fair, Repo got a lot more offense than I thought he would. Well, because Savage will sell for anybody. That's how Savage is. He's very, he's very giving in the ring. Uh, I, I will say before Vince said that, Bartlett, he insulted Repo Man somehow. And Heenan and Vincent put it as him insulting Savage. Leading to this very confusing sequence where Bartlett had to actually come out and say, no, I'm making fun of Repo Man. Because they didn't know what the hell he was talking about. And Heenan had to go, where do they get this guy? That was it. Heenan and Vince just started chatting to each other going, where would you get this guy? And Vince is like, oh, he's... And even Vince was like, yeah, he's crap. <laughs> even Vince just went, yeah. And I imagine, I, I must admit, my heart sank a little bit for Rob Bartlett. As he's there with his boss and Bobby Heenan, and they're just, they, they've they completely, like, pantsed him on air by making him explain a joke. And that is the worst you can do. And then it's his boss and his boss's mate going, he's an idiot, isn't he? <laughs> I really felt for Rob Bartlett at that point. I was like, oh, bless him. No wonder he was quiet later on. And consider this. This was a tape show. Now, I don't know when they taped it. I don't, I don't know if he and, he and Vince flew back from Sacramento the day after the Rumble to record it with Bartlett. I don't know if they recorded it sometime in, the, in that previous week. But this is what made the air from a pre-recorded – I'm assuming pre-recorded. I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't you know done live at 9 o'clock Monday night, the, the, the audio portion. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm assuming this was recorded with stuff from the Rumble in mind. So – Maybe it was one of these things where they had like a little bit of time, so they had to whatever came out in the one take came out of the one take. Yeah, it, it could have been that, but I'm but I'm thinking they couldn't edit any of this in post. Like, sorry, Rob, that was a little harsh on our part. Let's uh. No, I think Vince. I think Vince wanted everybody to know that he thought Rob Bart yeah. was a loser. <laughs> that's that's the point I'm making. It, it, it's like at this point, he just didn't care about Rob Bartlett. <laughs> it's it, three it was weeks so... in. Like, oh, bless him. <laughs> Pretty sure it's longer than the Ascension's push lasted. <laughs> By about two hours. <laughs> Give or take. <laughs> Can you imagine JBL and Bartlett on the same three-man team? Oh, my. No, because JBL would literally pants him. <laughs> in and it would be banter. <laughs> That would be uh It's just jokes. Of course it is, <laughs> you bloody idiot. <laughs> I may have to dedicate the rest of my life to me to opening a wrestling promotion with TV and having JBL and Bartlett on the same team. I, I was... may have to make this happen. Oh, I mean, it would be something else. I mean, I'll admit, I was kind of done with JBL when I saw a picture of him with Nigel Farage. That that kind of finished me off with him, really. <laughs> 
So I was like, yeah, I'm, uh, he's not not the sharpest politician in the world, but there we go. Each to their own. Each to their own. <laughs> I will say what was unusual about this period, yes, it has a mid-match commercial break, but it's off of a blocked kick. Nowadays, yes. it's a dive at ringside. The babyface gets dumped over the ropes and, and lands awkwardly, and they're down-selling, and that's when they go to commercial. It's also prefab and static. This... Repo throws a kick at Savage. Savage catches the boot. Repo's doing the one-legged pee-pee dance while Savage holds his foot in control of his feet. And, we'll be right back. We're going to commercial. So we don't know what happened next. But we come back and great. Savage is on the ground. <laughs> I was hoping to come back and he'd still be holding Repo's foot. <laughs> yeah, they hold that for the whole two minutes. That would be him. you got to have like strong calves and hip muscles to do that, don't you? Hamstrings. Yeah, you gotta have some maybe a little core strength also. Incidentally, you and I both made the same notes because I put in my notes here. Cut to a break as Savage is about to take control. I like how we've got this down to a T now. Whenever wrestlers take a tumble outside, that's when we go to the break. Yes, they should have waited until Repo did a plunge. Yes, commercial. <laughs> Savage kept trying. Did you notice this? Savage kept trying to go off the top rope, but Earl Hebner was like, "No," because. Because reasons. We're not ready for the commercial break yet. <laughs> we can't go to break until you grab his leg. We got us a flying repo. So then we get we come to the most surreal part of the match. When Rob Bartlett says that Savage, I think, was so serious, he started writing a letter to Jody Foster. Now, that's... I'm sure that flew over the heads of every kid watching in 1993. It flew over mine. Uh, I'll give you the short version of it. I was really hoping you would. <laughs> you ever see a movie called Taxi Driver? Yes. Where um, Robert De Niro is the, is the crazy ex-Vietnam vet turned taxi driver who saves Jody Foster from the... Um, she was a teenage prostitute in the movie. Well, in yeah. 1981, there was kind of a copycat crime, in a sense. It was a man named John Hinckley who was obsessed with Jody Foster and obsessed with the movie Taxi Driver, I believe, and he tried to assassinate President Ronald Reagan to try and impress her. Because that's how you win yeah. the heart of Jodie Foster. Well, well, he was nuts, John Hinckley. He, <laughs> he sounds like he wasn't the full ticket. <laughs> no. He ended up um, not mortally wounding, but paralyzing, I think, a Secret Service agent named James Brady. I, I can't remember if he was Secret Service or not. He, he ended up hitting Reagan. He got him in the wrist. And I think one in his torso, but nowhere near like a mortal injury. But Reagan was out of commission for a little bit as a result of that. See, this is the thing, right? This is the thing. I was thing. trying to thought completely for a second. <laughs> Rob, Rob Bartlett and, and the, Vince's obsession with making these things topical with point of references. Why are they always so glib? Because <laughs> like when, when Mauro Ronaldo makes a topical reference, he's saying, oh, he's climbing up like he's looking for Infinity Stones. Marvel's Infinity War is out this summer like they're fun references he's angrier than somebody <laughs> tweeting the president like they're fun references why are these all glib is it because it's new york and it's like well yes. the most topical thing that happened around here is somebody died well not just that that happened 12 years before this That's 1981 reagan hadn't been in office for five years at the time or four years at the time it was of, the of week this... of Clinton's inauguration as well. So it was like the week that a completely different president was being inaugurated. Not just that, Reagan was two presidents ago because George H.W. Bush had just left office. Oh, jeepers, Rob Bartlett. 
if, if he said it now, we're talking, you know, Bush Sr., Clinton, W. Bush, Obama, now Trump. So that'd be like six presidents ago. It would be like pres- it would be like Corey Gray's making a joke about George W. Bush. <laughs> it would be like when uh, Savage was trying to draw inspiration from when William McKinley was shot in 1901 by that crazy anarchist. <laughs> John Cena with all the strength of a thousand MySpace bulletins. What, mate? <laughs> He's going to make him disappear just like Tout did. <laughs> oh, I remember Tout. That was the thing that happened. Corey, please report to Gorilla. Corey, please report to Gorilla. Uh... Tout is widely remembered as a, a social media service that happened. Wait, widely remembered? It's remembered as a social media service that was a thing once. <laughs> More of a footnote, really. It's just, yeah, it kind of re- vaguely recalls it. But, but wait, we haven't gotten to the best part of this surreal moment. It leads to Limbaugh, or not, I say, Rob Bartlett doing an impression of Rush Limbaugh, the conservative radio personality in, in here in the United States. And Vince and Heena are kind of at a loss to figure out what the hell he's doing. Like, I know Limbaugh's voice. So I, it, it was actually a pretty spot-on impression, but he and the Vince are at a loss, and he, he he guesses that's Paul Harvey, a different radio personality. Vince goes, "No, that's Ronald McDonald." I'm like, "There's a match. There's a, <laughs> there's a match going on." Oh God, it I was mean, it was something else. If I want to hear Rob Bartlett satirize Rush Limbaugh, I'll listen to whatever New York station he's on. <laughs> this is a. This has nothing to do with Savage and Repo Man and their battle, you know, for this all-important hat, which I think is what's lost here. Yeah, I think in all of this, we have forgotten that there is a hat on the line here. Uh, oh, but Vince did realize it because he did say the hat somewhat symbolic about what this match is all about. But like, the hat is some... what this match is all about. It, it, it's not symbolic. <laughs> it's it's what it is. <laughs> It is the reason why we that. are here. It's it's a very basic finish from there. Body slam, flying elbow. And Savage dumps Repo over the top rope. Teases the accident, but gets stopped. Savage gets his hat back, but Vince is too busy plugging the uh, headlock on hunger benefit show to, to, to care about Savage's. What would ultimately be the last championship Savage would win in WWE is the World Hat Championship. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Because it's true. <laughs> But he got his hat back. That's that's all that matters. The last thing he would win at the end of a match was his own hat back. But you can find the positive in that, can't you? Yeah, he his outfit's now complete again. And yeah, that... do you know what? Savage gave Repo Man a lot in this match. Like Repo looked like he was in there with the gods, whilst we all knew this was the downturn of Savage. Hey, you watch any Savage match that isn't a total, like, jobber squash from the 80s or early 90s, he'll give his opponent anything. Because Savage understood, if you beat a nobody, then you beat a nobody. But if someone gets offense in on you and looks good, then when you beat him, you beat a somebody. Even if it is Repo Man, who hasn't been relevant in more than a year, probably. He made him look good, and I appreciated Randy Savage for that. Yes, that's why Savage is one of the greatest of all time, and why he is more than missed. 
So we had uh, we we had our opening match. We've still got a big old main event to come. But first, we have our WrestleMania Nine plug. Oh, at Caesar's Car Park. <laughs> Not just Caesar's, but the most opulent, splendiferous hotel and casino, according to Vince's voiceover. I can't see I not... how this event can fail. It looks like it's going to be brilliant. You know, I, I will defend Mini 9 for one thing. I like the way it looked. Yeah, I, the I, aesthetics are amazing. You know what? The fact yes, that it is, it was one of, you know, spoiler, it was one of the the dirt worst WrestleManias ever. But the fact that the <laughs> WrestleMania 9 arena still appears in WWE 2K games shows just how wonderfully recalled the aesthetics of that WrestleMania are. I mean, you had the elephants coming down the aisle. You had... Well, I mean, you, had... you had Bobby Heenan the wrong way on a, on a camel. You, you, know, you had the maidens bringing Savage out on, the, on that portable sedan. It, 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 the pageantry was off the charts. And, and, and it fit what WrestleMania should be. If only the card had lived up to that. Yeah, it was just a shame that it was just it was just the dirt worst. I'll put you on the spot right now. What was your favorite match from that show? My favorite match from that show. Um I think for 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 the morbid curiosity of it, it was probably um Undertaker versus Gonzalez. <laughs> uh because it was just morbid. so bad. In, in yes. every sense, Gonzalez's outfit was... Like, why yes. dress like a naked man? Well, like, he's supposed to be like Who's a, letting uh... Pat Patterson decide these outfits again? <laughs> well, well, he's supposed to be like some sort of Argentinian Sasquatch, wasn't he? Yeah, but... Like, put a towel on. I don't know. Just... <laughs> Like, The Undertaker's entrance, I don't care how many crows you have flying around him, does not work in the daytime. It it does not, and that's why he went on next to last at Mania 31, and that was kind of... And and that still wasn't enough, because it was twilight at that point. Exactly. Um, My favorite match, I'm just going to say real fast, Head Shrinkers and Steiners, because of two awesome bumps. The one where Scott Steiner was was hot-shotted toward the ropes and fell over the top rope. And the other were... uh, Rick caught one of the headshots and a power slam off of the other one's shoulders. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, very underrated match. I'll give you that. I will give you that. And that was probably the best match of the show, if not that, Sean and Tatanka. Sean that was Tatanka not a good show. was, was – it could have been better, but it was for, for what it was on that night, it was probably the, the, the first and last glimmer of hope that we had. It was fine. It was fine. But the best part of the media ad – well, two things. One – Vince had, the, Vince had the balls to call Vegas a family entertainment capital. Who takes their family to Las Vegas? I'm going to take little that? Jimmy on the slot machines, and then we're going to go look <laughs> at the strippers. <laughs> exactly. My first the, family vacation, when when I finally have children of my own, first family vacation is going to be Vegas. going to go to Vegas. <laughs> I'm going to teach little Bobby that... Uh, uh, this is this, I'm going to teach little Bobby all about the the the, the joy of putting a fiver down a woman's top, <laughs> and, and then we'll and go the watch year... Backstreet Boys because I think they've got a residency. <laughs> and then a year later, you can go, you can go to Thailand, 
take the family. Yeah, we'll we'll build up to Thailand. Las Vegas is a is a gateway <laughs> drug to Thailand for family vacations. <laughs> Follow the hangover route. <laughs> We're going on hangover themed holidays, kids. <laughs> and the uh, and the and the other great part of this was the montage of stars they used it the hype mania up. Now you got your razor, you got your Sean, and they threw in Damien Demento. <laughs> Did like, they have well, high hopes for Damien Demento? Well, I'm sold. <laughs> I just wonder because, like, he was on the first Raw. Obviously, he got decked by the Undertaker, but like, sure. he was on obviously the trailer for this. I assume on some trailers from other stuff. Was there a point where they're like, this guy is going to be a thing? <laughs> that's my. That's the only thing I could think of. They must have had high hopes from at some point. They must point. have thought he'd be a thing. They must have talking to your hands and coming from the outer reaches of your mind. Well, the well, the Undertaker is a <laughs> is a weird one initially. Oh, here he is. He's dead, but he makes coffins, and his his manager is a There's, pun. <laughs> did you just compare Damien Demento to the Undertaker? You darn tootin' I did. You darn tootin' <laughs> I did. But come on, when you break the Undertaker down, it is it is utter nonsense. And and how it did as well as it did is wonderful, but it does defy belief. It's all gravitas. It's all presentation and, and Mark Calloway. Nobody else could have played this role other than him. No, they wrong, got wrong. Brian right Lee. Brian Lee. Okay, you're right. And whoever played the Undertaker at Purdiswell Leisure Centre's all-star wrestling show that I went to see in 1999. <laughs> He was the Undertaker as well. <laughs> some guy, just some started... tall guy from Plymouth. Did you get his autograph? Uh, no, because he didn't come out at the end to do autographs. The Aww. legend of the legend of Doom did, which is one man playing the whole Legion of Doom, which I have since discovered may or may not have been Ricky Knight, Paige's dad. <laughs> I have I don't know that for definite, but I was I did an interview on a podcast where I talked about this amazing show I'd seen with the UK Undertaker and the Legend of Doom, and the guy went, "Oh yeah, that was Ricky Knight doing that." I was like, "No way! Don't tell me I saw Ricky Knight at a wrestling show." I love professional wrestling. It's I don't brilliant. say it often enough, but I love professional wrestling. Have you ever been to um, a local local wrestling show, which? features a guy or a girl who is now a superstar absolutely i have tell me tell me your best one and i'll tell you my best one. Oh wow i gotta think for a moment um because i've been to so many local indie well, shows shall i tell you my best one then why should you think of your best one by all means okay i was at a show that featured Rockstar spud in like the second from opening match when he wow. used to come out to Alice Cooper's Poison, and he was a, a, like a like a little cheeky rock star. Uh, on the same show uh, was Eugene, who had not long left the WWE. Uh, mm-hmm. Was in a weird little tailspin, and the headline was it was freakish because the headline was "Come and see Oblivion from the TV show Gladiators." He is wrestling. We're like, oh, this is going to be daft. And he was actually a decent wrestler. And he went on to become Nick Aldis, the NWA champion. Yes, my co-scribe from Fighting Spirit magazine, Nick Aldis. Yes, of course, you know, you were with Nick Aldis. But no, I saw him at Purdiswell Leisure Centre when he was Oblivion from Gladiators. I'm sure Nick has no idea who the hell I am either. He might do. He might do. He's, 
No. Uh, my story, a CZW show back in 2002. It was at an outdoor flea market. It was a, it was a pretty good show for the time. It was you know, a lot of the big stars of the company at that point. I will say, I will say during intermission, a lot of guys would not mingle with the fans. They would just hide in the back of like this 18-wheeler. I don't know what they were doing in there. It's possible. I'm not going to speculate one way or another. But they weren't out there you know, like selling merch or anything like that. But one guy was very gracious. I ran into him. He had had the match right before intermission. He, he was a, a very gifted young man. I shook his hand, told him I thought he had a great match. He thanked me profusely. We talked for a bit, and that was that. And he wanted to become a bigger star than all those guys. And that would be Sanjay Dutt. Way! Nice! I always thought it was karma that he went further than everybody else. When he took the time to actually be nice to people. It makes a difference. When you're nice, it makes a mm-hmm. difference. I've, I must actually, I'm, I'm remiss if I don't mention this, because at least one of them is still my friend today. Um, the, the, the others, I don't, we haven't fallen out. We just, they probably wouldn't know me from Adam. Um, mm-hmm. I used to work for a wrestling company in Shrewsbury. Uh, and I was mm-hmm. the commissioner, so I played the commissioner character. So I'd come out and boss oh. people around. Uh, we had a lovely roster of very talented people, including um, a guy who now wrestles in Florida as Joey Osborne. Uh, mm-hmm. a, like, built muscle man. He's going to be a thing, and I'm very excited to watch that be a thing. Uh, Pete Dunn used to wrestle for us very regularly, and now obviously oh, wow. Pete Dunn. And uh, I had, and there is videos of me having sparring matches in the ring with a wrestler by the name of Jamie Future, who everybody now knows as Liam O'Rourke, who wrote the Brian Pillman book. Oh, wow. So, like, and, and we still talk to this day. And back in the day, like, me and him were, like, mortal enemies, and we used to have promos together in this wrestling company in Shrewsbury. And I was like, now he's written a Brian Pillman book. I was like, that's amazing. Man, you just never know where someone's going to come from. And that's why you're always nice to people all the time. I know you are, Justin. But if I can offer any advice <laughs> to anybody, just always be nice, like Sanjay Dutt was. Always be nice. You never know when you never people know who will become be famous. You never know who could be in a position to determine what happens to your career one day. Exactly. Anyway, we have tangented far off the beaten track here. It's almost like we yes. don't want to talk about Caesar's Car Park. Well, we're at... We're actually delaying Kamala versus the Brooklyn Brawler, which I'm sure was not our intention. Question. Yes, sir. Brooklyn Brawler, Hall of Fame, <laughs> yes or no? Uh, sure, why the hell not? Yeah, I'm glad you said that, because I think he deserves to be in there as well. He hasn't got the greatest win-loss <laughs> record, but my God, what a guy that spans the generations. They put Johnny Rods in. He, he was mostly a jobber, wasn't he? I mean, not to disrespect anything Johnny Rods has done in the business. One of the greatest trainers ever. Someone who was a, a very loyal employee for many years. Someone who's done more than probably, than probably more than what a lot of the Hall of Famers have actually done in terms of adding value to a company and putting value into the business. But as, as an on-air performer, if you're basing on kayfabe, and his Hall of Fame candidacy is kind of... Hmm, Kind of sketchy, let's say. Yeah, but you're basing it on more than that. If, if you're basing it on who he's trained, what he's done for this business, then he absolutely should be a Hall of Famer. So kayfabe, if you take that out of the equation, then Brawler should be. And he's been a loyal employee for more than 30 years. He's been integral to the company. He's there when you need him to do whatever you need him to do. Case in point here, he's facing Kamala. 
and Brooklyn Brawler was also kimchi. So this is kind of like an inside joke here. Oh, yeah. Penny never dropped with that. That's cool. That's cool. (laughs) Penny never dropped. I like that. That's nice. (laughs) And, of course, Kamala comes out, and uh, our good friend Rob Barlett says, It's Nell Carter. Which, again, great reference for the nine-year-old kid himself that we're watching in 1993. Oh, jeepers. And Vince has to go, No, it's not. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not, you dick. Blades in a, Kamala. In a place will shut your teeth kind of way. Oh, my God. Oh, Rob. Kamala has Slick with him. This was not the best Slick. It's good guy Slick. I don't think Slick works so well as a good guy. Is he the ultimate, awesome as a heel, crappy as a baby face character or example? Ooh, I know. Doink the Clown. Okay. Doink the Clown is, is, is the poster boy for awesome as a heel, awful as a face. Slick might be second. Slick is a, is a close second, potentially. We'll have but to uh, think about this a little bit more because there's yeah, got some other examples out there. More. Slick and Doink have to be, as of right now, 1A and 1B in my opinion. Doink was the dirt worst as a good guy. Like, pointless. There's, you take but, all that all that intrigue away from that character. <laughs> I will say kids did love Doink, though, so in Doink's defense. As babyface Doink, he, he, if he was pie-facing the heels or spraying with water, and the kids loved it. Or dumb, yeah, that's dumb true. Water on I am talking like, this, a, like a jaded, grizzled, weathered, smarky fan. So. As we should. We've earned that right. <laughs> we have earned that right. We, <laughs> we were there during the ruthless aggression era. We've earned the right to be snarky. Back in my day, Raw was only one hour. <laughs> you got three squashes and a feature match that sucked, and you loved it. And you loved it. Uh, Kamala does give Brawler the stink face at one point, for some reason. Not the full-blown hip swivel and shake, but just the placement of the buttocks on the face, and the crowd did pop for that. The, the whole match is just Kamala manhandling the Brawler and not knowing how to do a pinfall. Even though he's been wrestling for, at this point, probably 60 years. And Slick has the. And you have to like encourage. Like, Kamala's playing the simpleton babyface, who's relying on the crowd to help him figure out how to do a pinfall. Oh, yeah, he's rolling him around, isn't he? Trying to figure out how to, make, how to pin him. I did laugh when he hooked his leg when he had him on his stomach. That was kind of funny. That was I'm, cute. I'm a simple person, so. No, no, I liked it. I, like, I liked it. And the crowd really got into into getting him to turn him over. The crowd are into that. That was cute. It was pure filler, but it was stupidly amusing. Yeah, you needed like a palate cleanser between the, yeah. the who where, who has the hat match and who's leaving town match. <laughs> it was a palate yes. cleanser. There was a topical point in the show when they make jokes about the Thighmaster and Suzanne Summers, which was a big thing in the early 90s, I think. It might be more of an 80s thing, which wouldn't surprise me. But Vince yelps at one point, That'll make the front page of the New York Post. Like, clearly, we know what Vince's priorities were. Let's be so topical that we have to be accepted in, into the mainstream elite. Oh, and we're so going to do that with Kamala and the Brooklyn Brawler. So very odd. Bless Kamala. He's had a tough old time in the last 10 years. Yes, he's... He's now a double yeah. amputee due to complications <laughs> with diabetes. <laughs> and, Even though it's kind of an art... Even though it's a pretty arcane gimmick, I always liked Kamala. 
he, it was just he, he was kind of a guilty pleasure in that sense, slapping the belly, which Slick was encouraging him to do in this match. And it is a shame what's happened to him, especially when he uh, when he made some revelations about the charity that was supposed to be helping him. They may not have been entirely on the level. I don't, I don't remember that story. It was maybe like six years ago. Yeah, but, he was very much yeah. part of the um, the movement against WWE for a short while. Yeah, not just that, but it was he, he just had a he's had a rough go of it, and it is a shame to see. And hopefully, he's making the most of you know making the most of life today that he's able to do so. And just he, you wish the best for him. He gave us so much in wrestling. And Justin in music. Yes, he, he, he Kamal did release a record, did he not? He's he has written over a hundred songs, and some of them are compiled in the Best of Kamala Volume One. A very ambitious title. Spoiler: There's no Volume Two. Oh, I'm going to give you some song titles. I I did hear one of the songs before. I, I do know that. Okay, ahead, let's see. Go. I want to see how well you know the album because I'm going to give you some song titles. These are either songs from Kamala's album or songs I've made up. Okay. Okay. Your first one, Booty Girl. Is that a Kamala song? That is a Kamala song. Well done, mate. I I have to track this down now. By the moons on my belly. Is that one made up? That one is made up, sadly. Uh, okay. although, although it may be, it may be on volume two. We will find out one day. It may, that was a little on the nose there. And finally, Willie did it. Willie did it. That has to be one he sang. That is a song that Kamala sang. It's actually the longest song on the album. It's nine minutes and fifty-one seconds. It's the Bella Lugosi's Dead of Kamala songs. <laughs> It is the Bohemian Rhapsody of Kamala's <laughs> first album. It's Kamala's trapped in the closet. It's Kamala's Imagine Extended. It's Kamala's Stairway. Kamala's, Kamala's in the God of the Vida. It's Kamala's Bat Out of Hell. It is Kamala's Injustice for All. Oh my god. It's Kamala's Four Seasons with Strings. <laughs> I actually, I, I, the one I heard was like, like, like have a have a glass of wine with me or something like that, and it was actually a pretty good song. Like he 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 actually, he actually does have a knack for, well, be, at least better than I. Do. I can't sing to save my life. He has he, got a lovely croony voice, like a bluesy voice. He he, he does, and it's. Are these on YouTube? I, I gotta try to track these down because if they're not on, I mean, like Randy Savage's songs are on Spotify. And if Kamala's not on Spotify, then that's kind of a crime. God, exactly. we have two guys on this, two guys on the show who released albums. Yeah, this is a very musical show. And in the main event, somebody that released one of the most infamous WCW theme songs of all time. In, wait, infamous or famous? Bit of both. Bit of column A, bit of column B. Because <laughs> I love that song. You will so, not disparage rap as crap. Exactly. We'll get to that. Where we normally would have like a, a really nice music video based on a pay-per-view, we just have Gene Oakland in a room. They're telling us what happened because we don't have the footage yet. We ain't got the footage yet, but we'll tell you what happened. That's that's why that's why, isn't it? Because they just didn't have the footage ready. Yes, it is the post-rumble report where Mean Gene runs down all the all the big information from the show, all the major happenings. 
including the debut of Narcissus, who, which means you preface by saying, I am not a big Lex Luger fan. It's like, where did that come from? Clearly, Mean Gene is not a big Lex Luger fan. I wonder if that came up in WCW at all in later years. Oh, of course. The amount of bile that moved around that locker room in WCW, I'm, I'm sure it did. <laughs> mean Gene being the professional interviewer, interviewing... Wait, is, that's probably why he left in, in, in the summer of 93, because he was upset that Luger was getting the world title shot, and he didn't like him, so he, so he left. You can find out more about that if you call Mean Gene's hotline. It's $10 a minute. And or, in the 48th minute, I'll tell you who <laughs> is going to WWF. Call the hotline as I run down what happened at the Royal Rumble verbally. There is no footage, just like what we're watching on TV here. And every so often, I will sneeze. See, that's why this whole... This had to be... I mean, that part had to be filmed like last week. I should, say, I should say, like, prior to the Rumble. Because, I mean, there's no footage, obviously. So, wouldn't it be funny if, like, like Giant Gonzalez no-showed, or Lex Luger no-showed the pay-per-view, and they had to put in the insert this part where me is discussing their debut? Oh, goodness, yeah. You're taking a big old risk with that, aren't you? You certainly are. At least with Impact, you know, we live in an age where you can fix that stuff relatively quickly. Do you remember Impact when Hernandez hadn't officially agreed to leave Lucha Underground? So they had to edit him out of all the episodes of Impact. <laughs> yes, yeah. Had to put in a renders of Stevie Richards over him. Oh, that's a lovely WWF No Mercy reference. Yes, sir. You are a man that knows things, Justin. Okay. Why was Stephen Richards planted into all the storylines of No Mercy and not the big show? <laughs> I think Big Show was being punished at that point. He was he was sent he was sent to Ohio Valley before SummerSlam 2000. Oh so gosh! That, so this was ongoing from yeah, that. He, I think they wanted him to lose weight and maybe adopt a better attitude. That's what the stories were at the time. And uh, so he didn't come back until I think the the 01 Rumble. He was like a surprise entrant. And and I was not an N64 kid. I was I was a PlayStation. I've always been a PlayStation guy, and I had SmackDown 2, and Big Show wasn't even on the game. He was like a, a hidden character that would pop up in Rumble matches only. And he, uh... like, it, it would have his song, he would run to the ring, but for his name, for his name it would say Unknown. He wasn't even named Big Show on the game. Oh, it was his character him. sprite. It was his character sprite. It was his theme music, the well. And he would hit the ring. But it would just say unknown, and you couldn't play as him. Jeez, it was really strange. That is very I mean, peculiar. So, I mean, no mercy. Stevie gets put in all his storylines because they were, you know, it was kind of a message to him, like, you know, you know you're not as important as you think you are, or whatever the case may have been. But he was gone for like five or six months at that point. And they were, and he was downplayed quite a bit while he was down in OVW. Well, there you go. Now we know. Now we know. One man could be about to be written out of the history of WWF completely, though. Uh, yes, the loser leaves WWF match between Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect, the first epic Raw match. What's lovely is, this is the last episode of, of Raw for this episode. It's been so concise and tight and move fast. <laughs> I love these old episodes of Raw so much. 
It's just 45 minutes of viewing time on the network. It's It doesn't overstay its welcome. I mean, the first show did. I mean, it, it, despite being 45 minutes, it definitely overstayed its welcome. Literally, this podcast is longer than the episode of Raw we watched. Yes, yes, it is. It's like how, it's like how Match was 11 seasons, but the war was only three years long. <laughs> That's true. That's a lovely <laughs> reference. Like that, like that. So it's flaring perfect. And Bartlett makes a... Makes a, well, he hints that Heenan and Flair might be gay. Like, what are they doing on the side? Because 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 Heenan got to shake Flair's hand as he made his entrance. For a and, handshake, he makes, then, he makes the insinuation. But then Bartlett goes very quiet in this match. He certainly does. Early on, he gets he gets in a few one-liners, but as it progresses, it's almost like he was made to stand in the hallway until the match was over. <laughs> Go and stand over there until you've learned your lesson. Like Vince handed him a Ruby's cube and says, don't come back till you solve this. <laughs> but he's taken two of the stickers off. He'll be there all night. <laughs> what a match, so What a match this yeah. is. Like the, What, what I love is how slow it is to start the pace because both of these guys are playing the role of, you're a threat to me. And I'm going to take my time and make sure that I, I don't go too crazy and make sure that I win. I loved it. Loved it. Right. They're waiting for the other one to make a mistake so they can capitalize on it. It's it's cautious, but it's also predatory. And there was Weird one bit. moment where it all came to life because um, Flair threw Mr. Perfect out of the ring. And then in quick order, Perfect rolled out the other side of the ring, picked up a chair okay. and went to smash Perfect with it. Yes, uh, but that was awesome because you see Earl Hebner take the best bump ever off the apron. <laughs> he rolls to the floor. He grabs not a folding chair, but just like a regular like guest chair, like you would have like a, like a dinner party. Yeah, and, Vince and, called and, it a steel chair, and it didn't feel quite right to call it a steel chair. I was like, that's not. It's got padding on. <laughs> he, he goes to the bash perk. Hebner jumps to the apron, grabs a chair out of Flair's overhead hold, and falls to the floor while pulling it out of Flair's grasp. <laughs> it's like it was Lucha Hebner. Lucha Hebner. <laughs> Lucha, Lucha. Lucha. He was doing some good Lucha things. Earl Hebner was a good Lucha thing. He was a very Earl Hebner. If you were nothing else, you were a good Lucha thing. I do have to note we skipped over this part early on. There was some audio bleeding in, and imagine Vince made reference to. Like a possible other radio station? I'm mean, caught that part. Yeah, I didn't know what that was about because I didn't hear anything. I, I heard it very faintly. It, it, it wasn't really like noticeable unless you like had your head pressed forward and, and you're like paying attention. It was a very small, very small bleed in. I mean, but he turned that into a USA Sci-Fi Network plug, which is which is very deft of him. That's very cool. That's nice. I like that. I will say that during the, during that chair spot, Heenan was encouraging Flair to bash perfect with the chair, and I'm like, so he can get DQ'd and lose his job. I'm like, uh, I didn't hear that part either. I think I must have zoomed. So I think I think Rob Bartlett must have maybe zoned out of a lot of commentary from this episode of Raw. <laughs> well, at this point, he's basically non-existent. We come back from commercial. Well, Perfect takes a a wild Irish whip bump. I'm sorry, actually, it wasn't a commercial. My mistake. That comes later on in the match. Perfect takes this 
crazy frenetic bumble from Irish Open into the corner. I mean, he goes ass over a tea kettle taking this this tumble. That was Falls sensational. Through. It was your quintessential Kurt Hennig bump. He comes up, his forehead's busted open. So now we have our drama. I had a flashback to my childhood seeing that. And this is, and you know, when you have that moment, you go, nobody else is going to have a flashback like this. I'm going to tell the story now that is, I believe, 100% unrelatable. But I'd like to tell it. Hey, man, give it your all. Give Mr. It your Perfect all. getting bust open with the hair the way that it is reminded me of when I was a kid, I would make myself super doodles with tomato ketchup in them. <laughs> <laughs> so ramen noodles then. Yeah, basically ramen noodles with tomato ketchup. And that's what Mr. Perfect's head reminded me of. <laughs> that's... I'm so relatable. As an American, I can even though I've never put ketchup on pasta because I'm normal. Exactly, you're a good human being. <laughs> I can see that. I can totally see that. Although, if I do have some ketchup that ends up in my macaroni and cheese, no big deal. It's yummy either way. So, perhaps I'm not. I'm being too hard on you here. No, it's fine. No, normal. no, no. I'm I'm abnormal. I will be amazed. Hey, incidentally, if you are also a human that used to put ketchup on. Um, the, the brand I used was Super Noodles. They're like ramen noodles. But if you used to put tomato ketchup on them and eat that way, then do tweet at Tom Campbell and help me believe I'm not alone. I probably am, and I'm pretty okay with it. There's probably a support group for that. It'll be okay. It'll help you out. <laughs> Thank you. That'd be very kind. So Flair ramps up the cheating at this point because he he, he, he literally senses blood. And he's uh, he's gouging at the cut. He's putting his feet on the ropes on sleeper hold attempts in order to add leverage. And Bobby Heenan notes that Cheney is fine because it's like life. You do what you want until you get caught, which is a great line. Yeah, Flair went supernova heel here. It was wonderful. And this is the match where you start noticing the audio irregularities, let's say. It begins with... When Perfect does a, a jackknife pin where he grabs the legs and he rolls forward on the guy's torso for a pinning combination. And Vince thinks that they're one, two, three. And like his audio is hitting a wall. Where, where it's, like, it's like distorting itself because he's so loud. You can tell he's in the studio. Yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, yeah, I heard a little bit of distortion there actually as well. And then Flair and Perfect have the best fight over a backslide ever. Yeah, they this, did. Yeah, that was really it, nice. That was a nice bit. This was a tooth and nail fight over a backslide. It was like the most final kid... battle of, of two angry elk. <laughs> it has not finished the match after 1996. But by God, they made you think that this was life and death. Whoever got this backslide was going to win the match. Perfect gets it, but it, doesn't, it does not finish. I did like when Hennig had uh, Flair cornered. And was doing the ten punches deal against against the buckles. Hedner's on the apron, swinging around the ring post, trying to count perfect down. Instead of doing it from the ring, he's outside, working that ring post as though it were a stripper pole, just swinging around it, trying to count Mister Perfect down. So he's getting excited during a sleeper hold of all things. <laughs> and you hear you hear him slap something, which echoes because he's in the studio. And, yes, uh, that was, again, another giveaway that there was yes. 
There was studio shenanigans afoot. <laughs> yes. And this is the part where I realized that Bartlett was made to go stand in the hallway. Because at this point, I'm pretty sure he's, except for one moment later on, I'm pretty sure he's not even, I'm pretty sure he was fired mid-show. <laughs> he was just told halfway through this match right now, off you go. <laughs> That's the impression I got because he was just, well, there is one part where he has to establish his existence. But before we get there, Perfect gets this weird-looking jumping sleeper where it's like he was going for a, uh, a sling blade but held on by accident. So he's, he's trying to break his own fall, and he snares Flair into the sleeper hold. And it looked badass, I will say that. And Vince actually acknowledges that this show could end mid-match. Yeah, I like the jeopardy there. I like the jeopardy of, <laughs> you know, we're, we are, we're slaves to however long is left tonight. And if it ends, then we'll just have to figure it out next week. Contrasted to the pre-shows on pay-per-views now, where it's like, when match begins at 7.43, like, what happens if it goes 20 minutes? And it's still going, to like, nah, that ain't going to happen. And Imagine if they I do doubt- that one day, though, where one of the pre-show matches starts at, like, 22, and it rumbles one- on into, like, the show opener, the opening of the pay-per-view. Just one time to warp our minds, they should do that. One That'd time. Brilliant. I'd love that. You join us live, it's Extreme Rules, and Kalisto and Sin Cara are still going. <laughs> this look. This is the longest Chad Gable match we've ever seen. <laughs> so Flair gets the figure four, which, which is weird because there was no wear down at all. No knee breaker, no clip, no cannonball sit downs with, with the foot on the bottom rope. None of that. Just right to the figure four. And uh, we, we get one late ass commercial at this point in the match. We're, we're like 15 minutes in. And all of a sudden... Not like a mid-match commercial break when you, where it's like it's like timed out. This is like it's like five minutes left in the show at this point. Yeah, they do. They do. A, I think they do this twice. They have some really late breaks. And they didn't have the formula down yet, in 1993. And this is the part where we get Rob Bartlett establishing his existence. Vince goes, Rob Bartlett, you haven't said a word. He goes, I'm speechless, Vince. I haven't seen anything like this in my life. Almost monotoned. What they should do is just cut that and just use that for the remainder of Rob Bartlett's contracts. <laughs> and they played at the wrong time. <laughs> just to stay for people think he's there, they just think he's he's gobsmacked. And then his contract runs out and then they get somebody else. They get a proper one in. Well, here's Well Done making their entrance. I'm speechless, Vince. I haven't seen anything like this in my life. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Do that. <laughs> this happened. Like a pull string doll with like three quotes. That'd be amazing. It saves too, it saves so much money. At, at this point, why have commentators? If we're all saying, you know, preordained garbage, just have like three pull string dolls and an assortment of quotes and you just play them all through the show. The big dog is going to face. It's boss time. Isn't that pretty much how the WWE 2K18 commentary works? Exactly. Just have Cole record his lines like a year in advance and, 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 and bring him in every October so to record new lines. That's fine with me. Absolutely fine with me. He has a great the flying elbow drop. <laughs> <laughs> we get a great no sell from Perfect when Flair starts chopping him in the corner. He starts shaking. His eyes are narrow like Clint Eastwood's. Like his whole body is like vibrating as he stalks toward Flair like Frankenstein, and he sells this with abject fear. 
because he's never seen this perfect before, and he knows Mr. Perfect. It's, it looked <laughs> incredible. It just looked like you went mental here. I loved it. He's like a big orange Incredible Hulk. Noodlehead Incredible Hulk. <laughs> we get the flare flip in the corner, which leads to a mistimed clothesline spot off the top rope. I mean, Flair, when he was going to pass Perfect on the way down, so Perfect had like hook back his arm and basically just punch him in the head to knock him down. These two work so a... well together, even when it looks like it's not going well. It's exactly. going well. <laughs> because they know how to improvise around that stuff. They can work around each other. Like, they're brilliant. <laughs> just go with it. We get an awkward small package spot where one forgets to move in time, and they finally flip over into the... Uh, into the Desired small package reversal. And this one Vince goes, yes, yes, yes. So loud. That Bartlett could hear me in the hallway outside the soundproof room, I'm sure. <laughs> Can I come back in yet? No. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm convinced that part with um, I'm speechless. I haven't seen like this in my life. I think that was that was dubbed in after. <laughs> I've told you. It's on a button. It's on a button now. It's Stanford. <laughs> All the money they're going to save. It's on a button. They walk out in the hole and found Bartlett and realize, oh, crap, I forgot to bring him back. Um, let's, let's record this one line real quick. <laughs> so and, then, and then you leave again. Like, thank you and goodbye. <laughs> then the perfect plex finishes, and Heenan drops a torrent of swear words that are all bleeped out. Yeah, it, all goes, it just goes completely quiet, doesn't it? Because he's swearing his mouth off. And Bartlett says the smartest thing he's ever said, which is, that was an amazing match, Vince. This is the best commentary Bartlett's ever done. I think we're both in yes. agreement that this has been his finest hour. <laughs> well, I was with you until the, the whole Paul Harvey rushed Limbaugh sequence, but oh, and, and the John Hinckley Jody Foster reference. But yeah, I, I guess by default this has to be his best because for a third of the show he shut up. So it was so Ric Flair is leaving WWF, and do you know the story about why he was leaving WWF at this point? I think it was he. He was just tired of not being used as a top guy, and he was told by he was told in advance that um, if you ever feel you're not being used optimally, you can go. That's Wasn't it. That yeah, it was a yeah. That's that's pretty much the nail on the head. It was part of his contract that he signed in '91, where Vince said, "If you don't feel like we're using you properly, you can walk." And Vince went to Flair and said, "Look, we're going to go with the younger guys." Flair went, "Well, in that case, I'm probably going to go." Back to WCW. Jim Hurd's not there anymore, and there's a, there's a wind of change. I'm going to float back that way. So they parted on really good terms, which meant that obviously down the road, Flair could come back again. Although Flair did, uh, he did still work there after this. He wrestled Brett at the Garden. He did the obviously he did the Rumble match, obviously, which which aired before this this match aired. And he, he, he wrestled Brett at MSG. He wrestled on the European tour after that against both Brett and Undertaker in different matches. And that's when he left. February. It's always 3. nice when people leave on good terms. It is. It is. Even though Flair was, um, I don't know if he was the best fit for this era. He's always fun to no, watch, no matter what era. There was. There's quite a few. There's a, quite a quite a bit of de-weeding that needs to be done to the to the mm-hmm. roster. We're in this weird post Hulkamania pre attitude time where we're not quite sure what's what. Yeah. It's. And they really have an identity. And, and more, a... no more was that true than... So at the end of the match, Flair walks off 
And Vince says, don't go anywhere, because coming up after the break, wait till I tell you what match we've got next week. So oh, yes. Vince made people wait a whole ad break because he had a mm. blockbuster match announcement coming up. And that was... <sighs> Typhoon versus Doink the Clown. Thanks for watching. Good night. You absolute <laughs> ass. <laughs> Not only that, no, no, he, he had a bigger asshole moment there when he noted that after the break that Flair had to fulfill his weekend commitments, which included the garden match. That's basically telling fans who want to see Brett versus Flair in the garden. Don't worry, he'll still be there. You know, don't you know, don't try to sell your tickets back or whatever. But he also, he also says, after that, it's all downhill for Ric Flair. <laughs> he made sure to get that line in. It's all downhill. It's, but how sad is it that that little bit there goes, Ric Flair is wrestling his contractual obligations, and then he's going, huh, good luck to Ric Flair, greatest wrestler of all time, huh. Anyway, we've got Doink versus Typhoon next week. <laughs> oh, come back, Flair. This is like a funhouse mirror version of wrestling fan expectations and enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like good. We didn't want we didn't want that chocolate bar anyway. Here's some sprouts. <laughs> That's fine. We wanted them anyway. It's fine. <laughs> hate, hate, hated it, it was, but loved it all at once. And even then. It, it couldn't displace the fact that this is by far the best episode of Raw to date. Do you know what? It was. It was succinct. There was story. There was two major matches, really. Both that had a couple of weeks of build, at the very least. I liked it. I really, really liked it. I liked the Flair Savvy. The Flair Perfect match was, was phenomenal and and stands up today as a classic. I thought Savage and Repo Man was actually really good. And it was a fun story based around hat larceny. It's excellent. <laughs> hat larceny. I love a good hat larceny tale, Justin. They're my favorites. I will say, and this is going to be kind of depressing, it's going to be a while before we have an episode that's even this level. I don't know why you say that, because we've got Typhoon versus Doing the Clown next week. Like, how oh, right. How on oh, earth right. do you think it's my we, 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 we're going to miss I, these halcyon days? Ah, it's wow. It's, uh, I think for the week that Raw didn't air, we should watch the dog show. We should try to find out on YouTube somewhere. I think we should. Whenever there is a dog show, we should review the dog show. <laughs> and the US Open. Yes, and we watch the goal. <laughs> Somebody has to. Somebody has to. <laughs> just, just just for continuity's sake. And, and then because, because Rob Bartlett's not there, we'll do the uh, timely references. Yeah, we'll just make really Power old reference. jokes and go, hey, do you remember that time well, on MSN Messenger where... <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, remember when uh, Kennedy got assassinated? Uh, that was 30 years ago. Uh... Yeah, but do you remember it? <laughs> but you still remember it, right? <laughs> remember not only the Kennedy assassination, but do remember to follow Justin Henry at JRH Writing on Twitter. Uh, follow myself at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Follow at Cultaholic on Twitter because you are meant to join us. Yes. We haven't decided how we're saying join us yet. Are we doing it in the questioning format? The join us? We were, weren't we? Jo- join us? Yes. As if we're reading a cue card and we're unsure. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. Join <laughs> us? Oh, he card reads good. <laughs> 
Let's do another one next week. Love you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 